Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Everybody out there in West Georgia, welcome once again to another exciting episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Happy to be here on this Monday. Had a great weekend. We have got a great show for you. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WKEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill. Go jump and slide inflatables and backwoods barbecue. We've got a great show. I do not have a guest like I normally do on my Mondays. This is the weekend wrap-up show. Going to reveal my new rankings for high school football. Going to talk college football week zero and the last week of NFL preseason. Let's get this show started. How is everybody doing on this Monday? This is episode 449 as I have a busy slate of shows this week as we get ready for the official football season. This is incredible. I know week zero just happened and, and I'll get into that, but what is going on with the Atlanta Braves bullpen? I can't believe I actually stayed up to watch the Sunday night game between the Atlanta Braves and the St. Louis Cardinals. I was happy Dansby Swanson got the three-run home run. But A.J. Minter, what are you doing? Tyler O'Neill with a three-run home run, and that's when I turned off the TV. The Braves' bullpen, because on Saturday night, Kenley Jansen walks in the winning run. The Braves' bullpen cost the Braves two games. They now trail the New York Mets by three games. They could have been trailing the Mets right now by one. There is a little bit of optimism because the schedule does get a little bit easier as they will take on the Colorado Rockies, and the Mets will have to take on the Dodgers. So let's see if the Atlanta Braves can gain ground on the New York Mets. But the bullpen is going to be a problem. It's always been a problem for the Braves. And I just don't know who to trust anymore. Even when Dansby Swanson hit that three-run home run, I was saying to myself, I think that the Braves are probably going to blow this one. And you got to give credit to the St. Louis Cardinals fans. They love their baseball they were rowdy they cheered and the team feeds off the crowd that's why the cardinals are a very well-run organization so it was hard to ask the braves to sweep the cardinals in st louis but they got one out of three they're three back from the new york mets and let's go play the colorado rockies and carry on well as baseball winds down a season as we gear for college football in the nfl This past Friday night was really the last official high school football weekend where high school football is the main focus. I had a fun time calling the Russell County-Harris County game. That game meant a lot to me because I live near Harris County. What a great win by Russell County, beating Harris County 28-17. It was a fun game, just an electric crowd out in Seal, Alabama. We also had the Heritage Bowl. Carver gets a big win. 
over Spencer. And now it's about that time in the show where I reveal my high school football rankings after week two. And you know, I really take into consideration all the games in the Chattahoochee Valley. I look at the matchups and I look at how strong the teams are. And just because you're 0-2, I'm not going to drop you in the rankings. Look, Thompson is 0-2. The three-time state champions in Alabama are 0-2 right now. IMG Academy loses to a team in Miami. So anything can happen in high school football. Don't forget that I will have my high school football show this Friday for week three. And I will break down all the matchups in the Chattahoochee Valley and recap week two. But let's start with East Alabama. Like I always do, the top three teams have not changed. The Central Red Devils is the number one team in East Alabama. In fact, they're the number one team in the state. They get a dominating 38 to nothing win over their arch rival Smith Station in the backyard brawl. And they host Enterprise next week at Garrett Harrison Stadium. Number two, the Auburn Tigers. Auburn got a very impressive road victory over Enterprise. And now they have beaten two top 10 teams. And Auburn is 2-0. and I actually considered moving Auburn number one, but Auburn has got to beat Central to get that number one spot. It's still Central's. Number three, Opelika, 2-0, an impressive win over Callaway, week one. And then they take on Jefferson Davis to go 2-0. Head coach Eric Speakman picks up his 600th victory. And right now, the top three teams in East Alabama are very strong, and they're all in the same region. I put Lee Scott Academy number four. They are 1-0. They actually had a bye, but they will take on Monroe Academy this Friday. Number five, the Hanley Tigers. 2-0 on the season after beating Valley. Hanley, one of those teams in East Alabama that competes for a state title every year. Number six, the Russell County Warriors. Russell County, 1-0 on the season after defeating Harris County 28-17. They go on the road to take on Stanhope Elmore this Friday. Number seven, it's the Poke Away. Lochapoca, they're standing tall at 2-0. Number eight, I got the Ufala Tigers. They get a victory over Stanhope Elmore, 1-0 on the season. Number nine, the first team with a loss on the new rankings for East Alabama, the Lynette Panthers. I dropped them all the way down to number nine. They took on their arch rival, the Valley Rams. Valley defeated them 19 to nothing. And then I put Valley back in the top 10. So Lynette at 1-1, ranked number nine. Valley, 1-1, ranked number 10. And when I was doing these rankings, I strongly considered wanting to put Beauregard in this top 10. Beauregard is 2-0 on the season, but they will take on Valley this Friday night, so anything could happen. Now my rankings for West Georgia. What else can you say that hasn't been said about the Carver Tigers? In first year, head coach Pierre Coffey, the Carver Tigers haven't even skipped a beat. 2-0, they're number one after beating the Spencer Green Wave in the Heritage Bowl. Number two, I moved up LaGrange because the Grangers had a dominating win over the Northside Patriots up at Callaway Stadium, 56-28. to And uh, they will have a bye, but their next game will be Thursday night, September 8th, against Upson Lee at Callaway Stadium. 
Number three, the Troop County Tigers after getting a 49-21 victory over Hardaway. So that's a very solid top three teams. Number four, Schley County. They defeated Tattnall Square Academy and they had a bye this week. But I moved them up to number four because the team they beat beat a team that's also in my rankings. I take head-to-head and common opponents into consideration when I do these rankings. Number five, the Callaway Cavaliers, even though they're 0-2. And that's shocking. 0-2, you don't associate that with Callaway. Still a great team. They have two losses against two incredible opponents. 29-28 to Opelika in the first week. And then they travel up to Cedartown, taking on a 4A program. And anytime you're playing on the road, it's hard. Cedartown is one of those teams that competes for a state title in 4A. They lose 47-7. to So that's why I dropped them all the way to number 5. But they have a chance to get their first victory of the season against the Troop County Tigers this Friday night at Callaway Stadium. And it's looking like that is going to be the high school game of the week. you got one more day to vote on this poll. But Troop County versus Callaway is running away with this poll, and it will more than likely be the high school game of the week. I'll reveal that on tomorrow's show. Number six, the Brookstone Cougars, which I bumped up in the rankings after defeating Glenwood 25-23. to That was such an incredible game. That was the high school game of the week for last week, and rightfully so. St. Ampicelli moves down in my rankings to number seven after losing to Tattnall Square Academy, but they are 1-1 on the season. They are 2-0. They're eighth. The Shaw Raiders. What can you say about the Shaw Raiders? I actually got a chance to see them against Kendrick on Thursday night, and they were dominant. And I actually put Shaw in my rankings for the first time this year. They take on Harris County up in Hamilton, Georgia, this Friday night. Number nine, the Hardaway Hawks. An 0-2 start, but they've lost to Carver and Troop County. Two highly ranked teams in my rankings So I'm not going to penalize Hardaway too much. And I think that they have a chance to prove themselves against Northside at Kennett Stadium this Friday night. Number 10, Chattahoochee County. They've only played one game, and that game was a loss. But I still think that Chattahoochee County is a very formidable team in that 10th spot. I mean, I could have put Northside. Northside's 1-1. I could have put Spencer. Spencer is also 1-1. So, I mean, it is hard to guess like where the strength is with these teams, but I don't want to leave these single-A teams out that can compete for a state championship. So those are my rankings. I will reveal my rankings every Sunday night. Like I actually do it on Sunday night, and I post it on Twitter. But on Monday's show, I will review my rankings. And uh, next Monday is Labor Day, so I do plan on having a show, going to wrap up everything. That That's going to be a monster show. I think I probably need to go an hour because of all the college football that I'm going to talk about. Speaking of college football, we did have college football games for week zero. And my thoughts about week zero is Scott Frost's toast. You go for an onside kick up 28-17. to What are you thinking? Nebraska loses to Northwestern, and that was shocking what Scott Frost did. Northwestern gets the victory 31-28 to over Nebraska. And this could be a long season for Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers. Some of the other games of note, you did have Mercer getting their first victory of the season against Moorhead State, and they will take on the Auburn Tigers next weekend. One game I do want to talk about in Week 0 was the Vanderbilt Commodores. Their over and under for wins is 2.5. 
if they upset Wake Forest, they could possibly get four wins. Maybe sneak in a win over an SEC opponent. But Vanderbilt goes into Hawaii and puts up more points than any team this year. And they defeat the Hawaii Rainbows 63-10. to And the legend of Mike Wright begins in Vanderbilt. And I know that a lot of people are pumping their chests about the SEC because of what Vanderbilt did to Hawaii. Mike Wright, two touchdown passes, two touchdown runs. But it's a nice win for the Commodores. But when you're expected to be the worst team in the SEC, pretty much a doormat in the SEC, the wins are really going to be hard to come by. I see them getting two more wins, Elon and then Northern Illinois. And that is it. Even these winnable games like South Carolina and Missouri, it's still going to be very hard. If Vanderbilt can upset Wake Forest and maybe get two more victories, maybe against South Carolina at home and maybe against Missouri, then Vanderbilt would be going to a bowl game. But it's not the same like when James Franklin was the head coach at Vanderbilt or even Derek Mason. Derek Mason actually was a good head coach. Things are just not the same, and Vanderbilt hasn't really competed. But Mike Wright gives the Vanderbilt Commodores hope. So that is my takeaway in Week 0 for college football. I am ecstatic about Week 1 in college football because there are some intriguing matchups that I cannot wait to see. Starting Thursday night, the backyard brawl. You got West Virginia and Pitt. You got Ball State and Tennessee. I'm looking forward to these matchups. All right, NFL preseason, the Atlanta Falcons get another victory in preseason. But the question is, you know, you you have uh, Desmond Ritter throwing two picks. The Atlanta Falcons did what they came to do in preseason. You're only playing three preseason games now with the 17-game schedule. They came out of preseason without any significant injuries. And that is what you want to do as they get ready to take on the New Orleans Saints in the bins. So I don't really take much in the Atlanta Falcons preseason game. Desmond Ritter, he did make some mistakes like he's going to. He's a rookie quarterback, but he is not the starter. And, all right, I'm going to talk about NFL preseason, and I'm going to preview my final two divisions just in time for the NFL season. Like I said, I had a pretty interesting weekend called the Russell County Harris County game on Friday night. On Saturday, I went over to Shaw High School to take a look at PBA All-Star Weekend. That was a fun event. You had the Georgia Lady Venom in the semifinals. They made it all the way to the championship game on Sunday. Saturday, Cortez Chaney, I was able to see him. You know, He's been a guest on the show. I was able to see him in the three-point shootout, and he did a very good job. They had the slam dunk contest, and they also had the LPBA semifinal game. On Sunday, I wasn't in attendance on Sunday, but they did have the All-Star game, and Cortez Cheney was a part of that. Just a great event and a great job by Shaw High School just for opening up the venue. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the Georgia Vipers wrap up the summer season as they get ready for the fall in November. The Auburn Tigers have named T.J. Finley the starting quarterback week one against the Mercer Bears. It is very important. For the Auburn Tigers to come out strong out the gate. They have got to win all their home games. I think if Brian Harson does not go 8-4, that he's done. He's done 
as Auburn's head coach in his second year. The expectations at Auburn is if you're a head coach, you're going to get to the national championship game or at least win it. Gene Chizik has a national championship. Gus Malzahn went to the national championship. I don't think anybody can duplicate what Tommy Tuberville has done or, or even Pat Dye. The knock on Brian Harson is he's not a Southern guy. He came from Boise State. He took a, a very decent Boise State program, and they won a lot of games. But the expectations for Auburn, and they're not Alabama. They haven't been Alabama since Nick Saban took over. But Gus Malzahn beat Nick Saban three times. That is not an easy task. So looking at the schedule for Auburn, your first five home games before you take on Georgia October the 8th are against Mercer, San Jose State, Penn State, Missouri, and LSU. If you go 3-2 and two in those games, you're pretty much finished. you got to go 5-0. and oh. I know that Penn State is going to be a very tough game, but all these games are at home and all these games are winnable. Now let's say they do go 5-0. and oh. They take on Georgia and Athens. They take on Ole Miss in Oxford. They host Arkansas. They take on Mississippi State. I think the Arkansas and Mississippi State games are winnable games. Texas A&M, I mean, it is at home. They'll beat Western Kentucky. They'll at least get six wins and go to a bowl game. But like I said, the Auburn Tigers need to go 8-4 and four if Brian Harson wants to keep his job. Brian Harson might be a good coach, but you know the expectations at Auburn. And with all the other schools in the SEC West creeping up, like Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU now with first-year head coach Brian Kelly, the time is now for the Auburn Tigers to do something. And let's build off that overtime loss against Alabama in the Iron Bowl last year. I think T.J. Finley is the right man for the job, and I think that he can carry the Auburn Tigers to at least six, seven wins. I mean, that's not unrealistic. Auburn could win six, seven wins. All right, it's time to preview the NFC East and the AFC East. These are the two final divisions in the NFL. A lot of fantasy drafts are happening Labor Day weekend. I usually take part in fantasy drafts during this time. I have no idea who I'm going to try to pick. I don't even know what order I am in the draft. But all I know is usually... A lot of the players I get are in waiver wires, and I try to do my homework on these sleeper picks. But let's talk about the NFC East. Last year, the Dallas Cowboys won this division, got the number three seed, but fell to the San Francisco 49ers, and then the bottom fell out. You look at this team now, they are not the dynamic team that they were last year. Amari Cooper is gone. They still have C.D. Lamb, but Ezekiel Elliott is just not the running back he once was. They never should have gave him all that money. Head coach Mike McCarthy, this is it. It's Super Bowl or bust for the Dallas Cowboys. Otherwise, Mike McCarthy is going to be out of a job. Jerry Jones made that clear. Uh, Dak Prescott is going to do some good things. I think that the Dallas Cowboys will win a lot of games. But Tyron Smith, their reliable left tackle, is going to be out for a while. They don't have Randy Gregory, but I do have faith, as long as Dan Quinn is the defensive coordinator, that their defense is going to be top 10 in the league. But looking at the schedule, I'm actually going to predict the Dallas Cowboys because we all know that the Cowboys are America's team. Every sports talk radio 
gets on and talks about the Dallas Cowboys every Monday. And that's why I'm going to try to have Gabe Reynolds on as much as I can because he is the resident Dallas Cowboy fan that can talk everything Dallas Cowboys. And I, I don't dislike the Dallas Cowboys. They're not the 49ers hated rival like they were in the 90s. I want to see the Dallas Cowboys do good. The NFL is better when the Dallas Cowboys are not only relevant, but if they ever make the Super Bowl, the ratings would be massive. So they take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Tom Brady is a 45-year-old version of Tom Brady, which is still great. He still has great weapons, especially with the addition of Julio Jones. But Tom Brady, after that press conference, where has he been for the last 11 days? That face... It looked like he just went in hiding somewhere. I mean, he he looked really old in that press conference. But don't be fooled. Tom Brady is still great. But this will be a test for new head coach Todd Bowles. And it is at Jerry World. I think the Dallas Cowboys get the win here on Sunday night. I really think they do. I think they come out and they make a statement. But then they got to take on the Bengals week two. And Joe Burrow. If the Cowboys are able to win their first two games at home and go 2-0, and the whole world is just going to go crazy. Like, oh, the Cowboys are going to go to the Super Bowl. I-, I know it. I mean, the thing about the Dallas Cowboys are the highs and lows. When the Cowboys lose, the whole world, the bottom falls off, and they want to just fire everybody. But when the Cowboys win, they pump their chests more than the Alabama fans who say roll tide after defeating Utah State. But looking at this division, the Cowboys are the team to beat. They still have a lot of weapons. But right on the doorsteps is the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles' defense improved after getting to Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, but also A.J. Brown. They have Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts. They run the football. Jalen Hurts is going to have some electric plays. Remember, this team made the playoffs. I still think the Cowboys win this division at 10-7. and The Philadelphia Eagles are right behind them at 9-8. and on the doorsteps of a wild card berth. And then we talk about the New York football giants and the Washington commanders. Now, Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones will make some plays under new head coach Brian Dable. He seems to be the quarterback whisper. Saquon Barkley has just got to stay healthy. And I think that their offensive line with Evan Neal is going to improve. But the giants are really going to hurt with the loss of Kayvon Thibodeau, he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. I think the Giants are improved, but they're not quite there yet. They need to give these coaches more than two years. I mean, Joe Judge, Pat Shermer, Ben McAdoo. It hasn't really been the same since Tom Coughlin left. Really, that tandem of Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning hasn't been the same. And the New York Giants will finish 6-11. and Now on to the Washington Commanders. Carson Wentz is now the new quarterback. First of all, thoughts and prayers up to Brian Robinson. I heard late last night that he was shot multiple times in a robbery attempt, but it looks like he is going to pull through. And let's hope his NFL career isn't ruined either. I mean, that is just a terrible tragedy, but it looks like he's going to pull through. Head coach Ron Rivera does have some growing pains. If Chase Young is healthy, I think that the Washington Commanders' defense is one of the best in football. Which Carson Wentz are you going to get? Are you going to get the one that can make plays or the one that makes terrible decisions with interceptions? He's got a good wide receiver in Terry McLaurin, but I still think the Washington Commanders are not 
a great team, and they finished 6-11 and as well with the New York Giants. Really, when it comes to the NFC East, they can really just cannibalize each other, and it's really just the last team standing. But right now, it's going to be a battle between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. It always seems like every single team in the NFC East, whether it's the Giants, the Commanders, the Cowboys, or the Eagles, anytime they play each other, it's a nationally televised game. The media is just all over them, and they all hate each other. I mean, it's just a fascinating division. Moving on to the AFC East, and right now there is no question that the team head and shoulders above everybody else is the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen is an MVP candidate, and the Buffalo Bills are my pick to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. They are going to have the best record. I think that James Cook could be a rising star, as he could end up being the starting running back in Buffalo. They have Stephon Diggs. They have a great defense, and now they added Von Miller. Make no doubt about it, Buffalo will finish 13-4 and four and could possibly get the number one seed in the AFC and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Now for the rest of the division, because even though I think that Miami has improved with Tua Tungavailova and first-year head coach Mike McDaniel, they got some nice pieces with the addition of Tyreek Hill. The Miami Dolphins have always had a good defense, but they've also added Raheem Mostert and River Craycraft. I'm starting to notice that a lot of ex-49ers are joining Mike McDaniel here in Miami. But Tua's going to have weapons. He's going to have Tyreek Hill. He's going to have Jalen Waddle. They're going to have a pretty decent running game because I think that with the addition of Raheem Mostert, I think it makes Miami just a great running team. But their defense has always been good. I think that's what Brian Flores really preached is the great defense. I think Miami makes the playoffs. I think they go 10-7. and seven. And then the third team in this division, the New England Patriots, I really can't put heads or tails on what the New England Patriots are trying to accomplish with Bill Belichick. Maybe it's ego, but letting Matt Patricia call the plays when he's a defensive coordinator clearly hasn't really come out and said who's going to call plays. If Joe Judge is the offensive coordinator or if Steve Belichick is the offensive coordinator, the New England Patriots are going to hurt without Josh McDaniel. They are going to hurt without Ernie Zampezi, their longtime offensive line head coach. The New England Patriots had a good system in the 2000s with Tom Brady, but all dynasties must come to an end, and this is a bad football team. There's no playmakers. Where are the stars? I couldn't even tell you who their top wide receiver is or their top running back. The only reason why I know the defense, because that's the same defense that went to all those Super Bowls. Donta Hightower, Lawrence Guy, Devin McCourty. But they don't have J.C. Jackson anymore. He was a very talented corner. They let Stephon Gilmore go. They let Chandler Jones go. That, that's the Belichick way. He gets rid of players right when they're just at the peak of their prime, just so he doesn't have to pay them. I don't think the Patriot way works in today's NFL. And I think for the first time, the New England Patriots get a wake-up call Mac Jones regresses. He's not the quarterback he was under a decent system last year under Josh McDaniels. I think the New England Patriots finished 7-10. and 10. Now the New York Jets, they are up and coming, but I don't think that Robert Sala is the answer at head coach. He is a great defensive coordinator. I think one day Robert Sala will get the defensive coordinator position at the University of Alabama. But the New York Jets still have a lot of pieces that they need to get together 
And general manager Joe Douglas has got to figure this thing out. Is Zach Wilson the guy? Clearly, Zach Wilson's shown that he can make plays, but they just need to get some more stars. If they get more pieces, they're really like the New England Patriots, rebuilding. So that was my preview of really all the divisions in the NFL. Now, my Super Bowl pick. The NFL season starts September the 8th, and it's the Los Angeles Rams versus the Buffalo Bills. And that is my Super Bowl pick. I feel that the Rams are going to lose to the Bills in the Super Bowl. The Rams get back to the Super Bowl. They're going to have kind of like a run like the Kansas City Chiefs had when Patrick Mahomes won his first Super Bowl, and then the Chiefs went back to the Super Bowl and they lost to the Buccaneers. The Bills' defense is legit, and I think the Rams are going to run away with the NFC because as much as this is painful for me to say, I think the 49ers take a slight step back as Trey Lance is the starter, just slightly. I know that I was optimistic about Trey Lance, but after seeing him in that preseason game against the Houston Texans, I'm out. I think that Trey Lance is going to struggle. He is not going to be the superstar that I thought he was going to be. So that's my Super Bowl pick. The Rams and the Bills. And the Buffalo Bills win a Super Bowl. And the whole city of Buffalo goes crazy. Because that's something that I know that they were hoping for in the 90s when they went to four straight Super Bowls. They even made an ESPN 30 for 30 on it called The Four Falls of Buffalo. And uh, that was just a fascinating, fascinating documentary. I'm a big fan of documentaries. I just got finished watching episode four of Legacy, the untold story of the Los Angeles Lakers. And it's fascinating how the Showtime Lakers ended. And they had some growing pains. They had about three years where they were just not viable. And really, because you had some up-and-coming teams. You had the Blazers with Clyde Drexler and Clifford Robinson and Terry Porter. And you had the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. You all know the Bulls when we all saw The Last Dance. But I'm interested to see what these other episodes, when they come out with episode five, six, seven, where they talk about Phil Jackson and his relationship with Jeannie Buss. I mean, they were practically together for 20 years. I really want to know about the feud between Shaq and Kobe. And then what happened when, unfortunately, Dr. Buss passed away in 2013. I just want to see that power struggle between his children. You know, every story sometimes doesn't end in a Hollywood ending. As much as I dislike the Los Angeles Lakers, I still think their story is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. This team was the team of the 80s. They won five titles. And there's really two players that were the centerpiece of the Los Angeles Lakers. Dr. Buss won 10 titles. I don't think anybody realizes that. 10 titles with the Lakers. And then the two cornerstone centerpieces was Magic Johnson in the 1980s and Kobe Bryant in the 2000s. Whether or not you want to agree that it was Shaq's team, Kobe was the heart and soul of the Lakers. And he won five titles with the Lakers. But five is not six. When you compare Magic Johnson and Kobe to Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan won six, and that has been the barometer. LeBron's got a long way to go. He's only got four titles. That's all the time I have here on the show. I do want to thank all my listeners who have downloaded my podcast, like, subscribe to my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I hope everybody has a great rest of your day. And I am out of here. Bye, everybody.
put one of those hash browns at the end, you know, like hash brown team Cobra Kai or something. And then send it to the internet! You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.